Well, good morning. Great to have you here this morning. We are uh, headed through a series called Living Proof. Uh, Living Proof. What's it look like for God to have his thumbprint on your heart, on your soul, on your spirit, on your longings, your everything? Uh, Lord, you have me. Now, what's that look like? And so we're walking through the book of Philippians and we're just saying, show us, Lord, teach us what you'd have us to know, what you'd have us to bear. Uh, May your spirit have his way with us. All right. So this morning we're looking at uh, Philippians chapter two. This is about the outpouring of unity that should come in the body, the outpouring of togetherness and oneness. In fact, we have one God and the best expression of that is one body. You know what I'm saying? Like we're all getting along. We all have the same goals and we understand where we're headed. And there's a oneness between all of us and all of God's people said, yeah, it's a good spot for an amen. And uh, let's make sure we're running together. And, and uh, hey, we are a growing church in depth uh, and in breadth. And uh, the depth needs to reveal unity. All right. And so Philippians chapter two, verses one through 11, that's where we're going. And uh, we're going to have our ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We are going to walk through the passage verse by verse. So uh, just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible to you and we'll walk it through Philippians two, one through 11. While the ushers are passing the Bibles out, let me just say this. Um, this passage is one of the great passages on Christ in all of the New Testament and all of Scripture. And, uh, and so uh, Christology, the study of Christ, right? This is one of those passages you need to go to and grasp fully. And so as we walk through it today, it's not just, Lord, show me how to be one with the one next to me. It's, Lord, who are you? All right, and let's make sure we grasp that. It starts with vertical, uh, on fire for Jesus Christ and who he is, And then that spills to the horizontal, all right? That's what we're going after. So look for that today. The vertical, who is Jesus Christ, that then leads us to how we should act and react with one another, okay? So the first step in unity, uh, strive for oneness in mind, love, and action. Strive for oneness in mind, love, and action. So we'll just start out here. He says, Uh, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Can you hear it? All the oneness and and the togetherness of it. So let's break it down. So one word at a time, right? So, and this is a connecting word. Some of your scriptures may say, therefore, all right? This is a word in the original language that said, because of what we've just looked at, all right? But it has a little more meaning than just that. This word is actually connecting you forward to some conditional clauses. Some, is this true in your life? Like, so if, okay? And so it's connecting us to what was just coming in chapter one, uh, the living for Christ, Right? And Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, that was the battle cry. And uh, for Christ, remember we talked about that. Like if you want to make one t-shirt for life, for Christ. And that's what I'm all about. And that's chapter one. And uh, he ends at the end there saying, and we've been granted this, that we can believe. And more than that, that we can 
suffer. That's the call of Christianity. And, and all too often we're like, Christianity, to believe and be comfortable, right? And, and where is that in Scripture? And we make these things up because they sound good and they feel good. And, and trust me, God loves you and God loves me and God's pouring over us. But his game plan is not maximize your comfort, okay? His game plan is you looking more like Christ. And, and sometimes comfort will come along the way for that. And sometimes some struggle will come along the way for that. But all the time, God conforming you to his image. And because of that, so if, uh, is this true in your life? That's what he's asking, if. And there's four things listed, so listen to these now. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any encouragement in Christ, we're going vertical now. Are you hearing it? Four things about Christ, God Almighty, and your relationship with him. If there is anything that's an encouragement about your relationship in Christ, lifting you up, uh, building up hope, a bringing of counsel, a time where you've been struggling in life, but something about Christ and who he is to you has just rocked your world, has softened your heart, has brought you to tears, has pumped you up, like whatever it is, if there's any encouragement at all in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, this is like a deep, intimate, personal, healing relationship with him where you grasp that he cares. Do you sense that he cares for you? there's any encouragement, if there's any comfort from love, I just wrote these three words next to it. You put those two together. How does God do that? Uh, through his power, uh, as he unleashes power in our lives, right? We're told in Ephesians 3, no matter what you think of, God can do bigger. And uh, his power unleashed, his provision, uh, some struggles you might be going through, some heartaches or some needs, some job that you might be longing for that's not there right now. And Lord, help me provide for my family and provision. Maybe it's just promise. Like what's coming? Uh, Lord, I can't wait for perfection. Uh, done with this pain. Can't wait for worshiping you with nothing distracting me. And the promises that we have in him. Whatever it might be that you're grabbing onto, that's meaning something to you on the journey you're in right now, a power or provision or, or promises or some other P that you can think of. Something that God's doing in your life and, and that it's bringing encouragement and comfort. His next one, any participation in the spirit. There's a nice P word. Any participation in the spirit. In fact, the original language word here, I usually don't share the Greek, but koinonia is the Greek word here, right? So some of you have heard of that. Like fellowship. Do you have a fellowship with the spirit? Are you interacting with him regularly and daily? Is there something happening where the spirit is teaching and training and shaping, right? We're told in John 14 through 16 that he comforts, he guides he teaches, he leads, he convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. He shows you who Christ is. Are you participating with him? Well, how do I know if I'm participating with him? Uh, is there something gnawing at you where you're like, oh, 
I just feel like this has got to go. It's in the way between me and God. Spirit pressing in, convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. Are you hearing that voice? I don't feel like I'm close to the spirit. I just feel like there's a lot of wrong going on. Spirit's whispering loud. Hear them. Now it's time to respond. React and respond to those moves and say, Lord, I'm done with that. I want you glorified. Right? Or, or maybe it's, this is how much I love you. And the love of God is pouring over you for the first time, maybe as you're reading scripture and you're like, that's how much? And the spirit's saying, that's Jesus Christ in your life. Always pointing to Jesus. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And just filling with joy and peace and kindness. And I'm feeling more and more of that in my life than maybe ever before. I'm reaching out like never before. And the Spirit working in your life. The Holy Spirit has his way with us. And as he shapes us to be more like Christ, as he transforms us, we're literally told, 2 Corinthians 3, that the glory of the Spirit pouring over us is what transforms us. It is a divine work. There is nothing you can do to muscle the change. Uh, There's nothing you can do. You can get it for about five or six weeks. That's what we've seen, basically, uh, as we've watched, as we've worked with friends that are struggling with things. Five, six, seven weeks, and then it blows out. Something comes up where we're like, and that's the end of me. And then we kind of go back the other way. But when the Spirit's involved, it's a lifetime. It's an eternity of change. And uh, His glory pouring over, changing us. Participation in the Spirit. Are you seeing any change in your life or challenge in your life? That's the Spirit. And the affection and sympathy. I love these words. Uh, In the Greek, this basically means your guts are turning inside out. That's what it means. Like, I've got this intestinal angst. I'm feeling this passion deep within. I'm longing for God to have his way with me. I've seen things happen in my friends or my family. I've started to see things happen with me. And I just want more. And that's what he's talking about. That's the affections and, and the sympathies. Like you're seeing God move and you're amazed and you're in awe. You hurt for other people. Maybe for the first time as you see them go through something and you're tearing up for them. Any of that going on in your life? Paul's like, you got any of that, man? Uh, This is the measure of of spiritual living. Like if you want to just take a little bit of inventory kind of regularly, go back to these four elements And looking for the encouragement and the comforting and love and the participation in the spirit and the affections and the sympathies. And is any of that going on? And it's a sign of life and God working in you. And if you're like, yeah, I think I'm saved and I've got none of that ever. That's not a good thing. All right. And so my challenge would be, please be careful and please make sure you have trusted in Christ as your savior and you've given him control of your heart he is your lord don't be trying to use to get what you want hand over your whole life to him and say you're my king all right this is what happens when you do that you start seeing this more and more now remember this is a challenge he's saying so this is like call to action if any of these things is true what's he asking us to do make my joy complete by being in the same mind He's calling for a oneness in our thinking because of these things. So here's what I'm going to ask. Uh, 
right now, just look through that list of four things. Is there anything on that list you can name out for you? Any encouragement from Christ? Any comfort in love? Any participation in the Spirit? Any affections or sympathies? Anything there. Get a list of one or two or three things for you. Really get it now. Some of you are still staring at me. Really get it. Okay. Here's my request. Just right now where you are, just private, silent, thank you, Lord. Just have that moment with him. Will you thank him for his investment in you? Father God, we're in awe that you would take the time at all with us. Thank you for sharing of you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Never pass by a moment to spend a little time with them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, how do I pray always like that? Where everything you're considering just reflects back in a moment of prayer. All right? And uh, so complete my joy by being of the same mind. This isn't where all the body collects together and goes, Okay. So what kind of mind should it be? And, and, and let's take a vote. Get a whiteboard. We're going to write some options up. And, and it's not that. It's not the collective body decision of what we might want to go off and be. This is follow after him. He's just poured into you the encouragement and the comforting and the provision and the make sure your mind is matching that of God Almighty. All right? You have a model. Follow. That's what he's calling for. The mind of God being in this body as we all are touched by him. Well, how do you know that, Tim? Check out these ING words, all right? So he says, being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord. Being, having, being. Are you seeing it? Like Paul's joy complete as we start getting who God is. And uh, so being of the same mind, uh, having the same love. Uh, Lord... You've loved me. May I now reach out and love those around me the same way you loved me. All right? You've tasted it. You've seen of him. Now share with those around you. Having the same love. Being in full accord. Being in full accord. This is like uh, 100% unity and getting along. Being in full accord. Uh, really? Is that even possible? Maybe if you put one person in the church, then you're in full accord. But when you have two, then it gets a little dicey. And then when you have 2,000, now what? And uh, one accord does not mean 100% always got along. It means when there wasn't a time where you got along, you got it right. It means there's reconciliation and restoration. It means there's, will you please forgive me? It means, I'm sorry, I can't believe I stepped on you like that. Uh, it means, you may not even realize this, but you stepped on me like that. And, and so you have to talk some things out. And uh, one accord, there's only one way to get it within the family. There's only one get, way to get it within the church family. And that's making sure you work on it and apologize and accept apologies 
and uh, work towards unity at all times. All right? One accord. He says, end of one mind. Again, do you hear it over and over again? Please think correctly. One mind together. One mind together. How many minds? That's our big deal today. One. Okay, now he goes to the negative. Uh, Do nothing. Uh, Do how much? I agree with you. Nothing. What does nothing mean? It pretty much means nothing. Right? That's what it means. Not one thing. Do not one thing. Nothing. Nothing. Can we be more clear than that? Not one thing is going to go like this. From rivalry or conceit. Uh, Some of your passages may say selfishness or selfish ambition, rivalry. It's this concept. Um, I'm going to go after the stuff that lifts me up and I'm willing to push you down. And in fact, if it lifts you up, then I need to be lifted up a little higher. You know what I'm saying? You, me. Right? You, me. You, me. Right? You, me. Like, I'm going to be above you. And at all costs, rivalry and selfish ambition. I want to make sure my name is known. I want to make sure my glory is shown. Me. I'm telling you, that is not how the church functions. Our job is to show off the glory of one, and that's God Almighty, not the glory of myself. Uh, Conceit. Well, let me just say this about rivalry. I I put this quote down. Promotes conflict rather than harmony. Uh, Rivalry. It promotes conflict rather than harmony because if I'm fighting for it and you're fighting for it. Well, have you ever played the game of spoons? Have you? Right? And so you're trying to match up the cards and, and... And as you play around and all of a sudden you get the match, you have to try to take a spoon. And so you take the one spoon and there's one less spoon than there are people. And so as you take a spoon, now everybody else has to dive at the spoons as soon as somebody takes one. And whoever doesn't get one, they, they're lose. You're out. You're a loser. You didn't get a spoon. Right? And, and all of a sudden we make the church that where everybody starts grabbing for their own glory. And uh, there's only enough glory to go around for everyone minus one. And you lose, you're out. We all get lifted up. Throw one more spoon out, get you out of the circle, and here we go again. And uh, spoons. It's not the game we're playing in the church. Have you ever played spoons where you refuse to grab a spoon? And so one person grabs the spoon, and you look at them and you're like, dude, we don't grab spoons around here. (laughs) Have you ever done that? And they're like, Sorry. I don't know how to play the game then. Right? Well, there's no winners and there's no losers. Well, that's a stupid game. Well, actually, there's one winner and his name is Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, it's not very worldly. They don't get it. But that's the game we're playing. All right? It's God lifted up, not us lifted up. All right? Conceit. Uh, I am good. It's a hollow glory. You wouldn't believe how awesome I am. It's sort of an extremely elevated view of self-conceit. It's walking around pretty much having compared yourself with others 
and deciding that somehow compared to them, you are better. Uh, but check this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Somehow we keep walking around going, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of the guy next to me. And that's not what it says. And it's not about what they did or didn't do. It's about him. Our measuring stick is a vertical measuring stick, not horizontal. Please stop looking around you. You think you're all that because you're sitting next to somebody that doesn't have it together. And they think the same of you. That's reality. Look up and compare yourself to God Almighty. All right? And the conceit drops fast. He says, but, so we're going to reverse it, but each of you, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Humility means lowly of mind. It's the opposite of proud. Uh, no self humility. I just wrote these down. Proverbs eleven two. With the humble is wisdom. With the humble is wisdom. Uh, here's another one. Ecclesiastes twelve. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Put those two together. The fear of the Lord, proper view of Him, brings proper view of me. Humble, and that's wisdom. Uh, the fear of the Lord, high and lifted up. Uh, small me, big God, now we're getting it. Okay, humble. Uh, that's the way we run the church. And a servant, even in our leadership, servant leadership. Uh, humble. And uh, big God, small me is the best battle cry I can get for humility. Big God, small me. You're going to constantly get it if you say that over and over. Big God, small me. Just try it with me. Uh, big God, small me. What's the battle cry? Big God, small me. Yes, right? That's humble. And a uh, huge God. And uh, now apply it into our problem. Big God, small problem. And everything is managed appropriately there. And the moment we start thinking all that about ourselves and it becomes big me, we roll right over the top of someone. And it's time to resolve some hurts. All right? It says, count others more significant than yourselves. Uh, what's going on in your life that I could lay myself down for you? What do you need assistance with? What do you need prayer for? Uh, why are you hurting that I might be a part of it and help serve? Let each of you look not on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. A body that is not caring is a body that is not tasting of God Almighty. The end. If you love the Lord your God, you will love others. Uh, the command that God gave, love God with all your heart and soul and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. The neighbor as yourself is fueled by the fire of loving God. That first, vertical first, tasting his love, any comfort in his love and it will pour out to those around you, all right? Vertical begets horizontal. That's what we're going after. Okay, so uh, this past week, um, John and I had started an impact group for young marrieds uh, with, uh, really it ended up young marrieds kind of no kids when we started. There's a few with kids in it now, but uh, started that last May, and it just kept rocking, kept growing, and we ended up bringing a couple of leader couples in, and they're now running the two groups that we have in there. It's kind of become an impact community as these guys are working together. There's 45 or 50 in that, 
and uh, just need to see them rallying together. And uh, this past week, a real cool story came out. Uh, There's a couple that's uh, been wrestling. Uh, the, the husband lost his job, and uh, it's been a tough sequence of, of weeks, months, really. And a uh, tough time as he's trying to figure things out, see what God's doing, take that next step. You just made a job transition that didn't work. And, and so now what, Lord? And it was hard. And as she came into the group that week, uh, which was last Tuesday, she basically said, this is getting tough. And uh, tears welling up in her eyes as she, during the accountability time, that's when the girls break with the girls and the guys with the guys, for those of you not in the impact group. And uh, during the accountability time, she just got real with the girls and said, man, it's tough. It's hard to watch my husband going through this. It's hard for us financially. It's just hard. Please pray. And uh, right then and there, the group stopped and said, we're on it. They had her get down in the middle and uh, everybody kneeled around her and laid on hands and just started praying for her, for them, that God might provide. Lord, may you please provide a job. That's our request. Your timing, but job please, Lord. And would you please provide peace and comfort in the midst? May you be so real in who you are. And Lord, we long for you to move in this one after another, praying for them with hands laid on. And uh, she wrote this email this past week. Uh, I shared about a trial that we had been going through and my husband losing his job. She wrote this to all the impact group uh, and being extremely discouraged and frustrated in his job search and whatnot. Well, that was on Tuesday that we all got on our knees at the end of accountability time and lifted up the situation up to him. Well, on Thursday, uh, yes, two days later, my husband got a call for a job interview. He had two interviews with them in the following few days. He was offered that job this morning. Smiley face, smiley face. I am more aware than ever of God's sovereignty, his plan, his power, and his willingness to hear us. I am sitting at school right now and I am about ready to cry. When I got this email, so of course I had to share it with my students who now think I'm a nut. (laughs) I wanted to tell you guys more than anyone because my husband and I both were just so overwhelmed with the love and support last week. I feel so, capital S, capital L, blessed to have friends who are willing to get on their knees and lay hands on me when I'm going through something. Okay, I'm done with my little rant, but really need to share that huge praise with you all. Now all caps, God is good all the time. Amen. Amen. Unity. Whatever you're struggling with, we struggle together. Wherever you're in need, we're in need together. We long to wrap arm around one another. That's who our God is. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in his love, any participation in the spirit, any affections or sympathies, please make my joy complete by caring for one another. That's what it looks like to long to be around each other. Man, if you're not in an impact group, you need to be in one. Uh, It's more than just care. It's about growth and it's about life with Christ. 
It's about running with him. It's about experiencing these four things regularly and being able to have a place to pour it out to those around you. Lord, you first, vertical, and then those around me. And uh, that's what it looks like. It's a question. Are you in? Do you see what God is doing in this place? And are you in? 55 people standing up to become members this morning. Didn't it kind of just make you want to stand up on yourself? I'm like, I'm in. I'll, be, I'll join these guys. They're all over the place. And it's cool to see what God's doing. And a question. Is there anyone that you need to make things right with right now? Family member? A friend? Somebody sitting down the row from you? Or a couple rows back? When you see each other, you're like, man. You kind of take another turn to go to the drinking fountain. Somebody you need to get them some things right with? Now's the time. With one accord. With one mind. And uh, just a little tip. When you go to get it right, uh, it's not let me prove where you're wrong. It's will you please forgive me? And specifically for what? And then yes, I forgive you. Get that thing clear, all right? A lot of people in this body, there's got to be some stuff going on. I know there is. So figure out what the Holy Spirit's pressing on. You're like, oh, I'm feeling it. Uh, participation in the Spirit. Just let the Holy Spirit move and get that stuff right, okay? Oneness. Oneness in mind, oneness in heart, oneness in love, all right? That's number one. Number two, uh, follow Christ's unbelievably humble, sacrificial example. Unbelievably humble, sacrificial example. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Uh, remember, one mind. Which mind? The mind of Christ. All right? And so get ready. Here's the Christology coming out. The unbelievable expression of who Christ is. We're going vertical. Everybody say vertical. We're going to hear from Jesus Christ who he is and how awesome he is. So here we go. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Okay, that's the first one. Who, though he was in the form of God. Uh, So let's make sure we understand this. Uh, In the form of God. This does not mean, there's two different Greek words for form, okay? And one means you kind of look like it on the outside, but you're really not it at all. It's just sort of like it, but it's not it, okay? That's not this word. This word is like, it, baby. Like, you're it. And he's in the form. It means he is God. That's what it means. Jesus Christ is God. And he is God. Let's not lose sight of that. Let's just say it together. He is God. That's who Jesus is. Why do you guys make such a big deal about this Jesus? Because... Thank you. He is God. And that's why. All right. So he was in the form of God and yet he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Uh, Grasped. It means like taking your hand out in front of you and holding it as tight as you can and holding on and clinging. Uh, The word mine usually comes with that. Right. Mine. And uh, he didn't count that his thing. Instead, he set it down. And it said he took on a humble mind. He said he made himself nothing, 
taking the form of a servant. Uh, he made himself nothing. That means he became man. Um, so let that settle. Mankind and nothing. Those are the two equivalents. And uh, we, co- we walk around and we're like, I am all that. Right? And Jesus is like, got a word for that. Right? Nothing. And he made himself humanity. And listen, when you're the creator of the universe, when all glory is yours and your word begets everything, and then you step down to become one of them, that is the same as becoming nothing. This is a big humbling from everything to one of the some things. Okay? In fact, the word there means he emptied himself. All right? And uh, let me tell you, there's been a lot of bad doctrine around that little phrase. And let's make sure we're careful on it. Uh, it does not mean that Jesus did not, was not God, that he somehow set aside his Godhead. That is bad doctrine. He is God. He was God. He always will be God. He is fully God. And him taking on humanity, fully man, does not mean he somehow became less God. We talked about this a couple weeks back with the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus praying and, and saying, Lord, but your will be done. And their, their will is being done. What is that all about? And uh, he set aside, willingly, some expression, but he had full capability, right? We talked about it like a three-legged race where you're wrapped together, and yes, you're going to run slower, uh, but it doesn't mean your ability's less. You strip loose that, that uh, three-legged race wrap, and you are running full tilt, okay? So we absolutely full capability, but he willingly set aside the expression of it. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Thank you. Need some feedback on that one. There's a big doctrinal position because if you get it wrong, you start out with small Jesus and it's going to create problems in your life. This is huge God and a full capability, but he wrapped it up in a willing setting aside for the moment. It says, taking the form of a servant, a bond slave, no rights. The God who had every right became a guy who had no rights. That's what our God did for us. This is the mind of Christ, uh, being born in the likeness of man, uh, fully man. All right, so that's the first step. Second one, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Being found in human form, he humbled himself. Here we go with that phrase again. Humbled, 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 right? That's what Christ did. A servant, 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 by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Uh, Christ lived a perfect life. Uh, he was sinless, and yet he died unnecessary, all right? But he died on the cross, and uh, I just wrote these few words down about uh, death on the cross. It's, uh, first of all, it was undeserved. It was reserved for those who were the worst of humanity. Did you know that? Crucifixion, it was reserved for the worst, for the lowest. Deuteronomy 21, 23 says, uh, one who is hung on a tree is accursed of God. Like, is that true for Jesus? Accursed of God. And well, guess what? He took the wrath of God Almighty upon himself for you and for me. That's our king. He humbled himself with a plan to replace what we owe, saying, I love you this much. And uh, we have a problem. Yet we stepped on his glory. 
Uh, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We trounced on him and made it about me. And the penalty for that is gone from him for eternity. No expression of him in my life and separated in that regard. And, And his wrath upon me. And God said, solution. I'll take the wrath upon myself. And those trusting and believing in me, I'll apply it to them saved. Okay? It doesn't mean some mental ascent, but you keep living whatever way you want. Uh, A faith like that changes you. It calls you to an action with him where he's your Lord. And that's what we're talking about. Uh, The cross. Uh, Yeah, you have to have that in mind. All right? That's the horizontal. Uh, He's saying, listen, this is who Christ is, vertical. And he's getting done and he's like, have that in mind. Do you understand how much you need to be thinking? Give it up. Do you understand how much it isn't about you? And, oh no, no, I'm not going to talk to them. Because let me tell you, they think this of me and I'm really this. That's the difference. You're going to make a big deal out of that. When let's be honest, Christ is this and we're treating him like this. Let's be careful. Let's make Christ our everything. And our goal is lifting him up with all we've got, not lifting me up. Every moment you fight, how do I know if I'm fighting for myself? You'll feel it, don't you? When you're like, "Mm, hang on, and you start leaning in and you feel your gut kind of like this little twinge thing going on. And you're like, no, I'm going to battle that one, right? Be careful. Set that down and say, Lord, for you. And in about me, it's all about you. May you be honored and glorified. All right? I just wrote these couple of quotes down about crucifixion so we grasp Christ a little better. This one from John MacArthur. Uh, Crucifixion is perhaps the most cruel, excruciatingly painful, and shameful form of execution ever conceived. It was originally devised by the ancient Persians or Phoenicians and later perfected by the Romans. It was reserved for slaves the lowest of criminals and enemies of the state. Did you know this? No Roman citizen could ever be crucified, no matter how egregious his crime. And yet our Savior, the King of kings, Lord of lords, was crucified, treated as the lowest of the low and carrying the wrath of God in himself. Hey, that's just the physical and maybe the emotional experience uh, Tim Keller writes about taking on the wrath of God. And uh, this is what he wrote. He was talking about the Garden of Gethsemane here. And he said, if the anticipation of these sufferings, if the very taste of these sufferings sent the Son of God into shock, sweating like drops of blood, praying while troubled deeply, what must it have been? to drink these sufferings to the bottom. Our Savior for us on the cross. Not just a death. He took the wrath of God upon himself. He was forsaken by God Almighty for you and for me. May we grasp the humility that our King went after. So, question. Is everything about making you look good? Or about making him look good. Let's just be real direct. 
Are you walking in the church kind of going, all right, what role do you have for me that I might be shown off here and look great? It's time for it to be all about me. Is that where you're at? Or are you walking in saying, Lord, you, and I'll humble myself anywhere, anytime that you might be shown off. Hear me. We recognize and we see uh, what Christ is looking for and seeing. And uh, many wrestling with how does this church function and not politically. That's under humility. That's what we're looking for. And as our king is honored by you living that kind of life, we love seeing those people lead. All right? And uh, that's what it looks like. Uh, Where are you at? What's your role in this church? What's your goal in this church? My request is this. Humble, please. Humble, please. Lord, you call the spot and I'm there. And just serve wherever it is, right? He says, call yourself to the bottom of the table and I'll call you up in due time. Let God have his way and let's see what he does. That's just within the church. What about in your family or your work or with friendships? Are you ready to say, Lord, I'm setting it all down. Nothing will be battled. It's not about me. All about you. You, Lord, and you shown off. Wow. Have that mind in this place, and unity is going to be pretty easy to go after. You know what I'm saying? And uh, let's go after that together. One mind, forgiving as we make the mistakes, because we all do. And as we step on one another, please forgive me. And Lord, may you be shown off here. And, and like never before, may this community see a body on fire for our God to get his glory, not for man to get his glory. And all of God's people said, that's unity. I mean, big time biblical unity. Long for the position he gives you. Trust me, he's got a bigger plan. You just lean on him and let him do the calling up. All right? Number three, bow in reverence to the one above all, Jesus Christ. Bow in reverence to the one above all, Jesus Christ. Some of my favorite verses right here. It says, therefore, thank you. And when we see the therefore, we say, what's the therefore, therefore? If you're new with us, you're like, we say, what? And we say, what's the therefore, therefore? Like, why connect these things together? And so he just got done saying, Jesus Christ humbled himself willingly. And because of that, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Amen. That's our king lifted up. And uh, so notice this. Who does the exalting? What's it say? God. So God highly exalted. God, the father taking God, the son and lifting him up. Does Jesus lift himself up? No. Hang on, Father's timing. And God the Father lifts up and you have this God highly exalting him and bestowing on him the name that is above every name. Check this out. What does exalted means? It means higher up. It means big up. 
Okay. And, uh, by the way, how come you never preach from the stage, Tim? Because there is a sense of exalting that goes on and a preaching down into that goes on. And I got to be honest with you. Uh, I like this message. Uh, we're in it together, right? And you and me are going through this together. And uh, this stuff's hitting me on Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and I'm praying through it. And uh, God willing, it's hitting you on Sunday. And uh, let's do this thing together, okay? And uh, why are you on the stage at the end? Because you all are standing and I'm too short. <laughs> okay? And uh, so that's what it's about. Us together, all right? And we let Jesus Christ be exalted up and God will lift up in due time, all right? And hear me on this. Uh, we are supposed to see a vertical begets horizontal, right? And so we see Christ that he humbles himself and he gets exalted. And so does that mean that if I humble myself, that I get exalted? And uh, actually, uh, yes, but please be careful. Uh, listen to these verses, Matthew twenty-three, twelve. Whoever exalts himself... Uh, bad move, shall be humbled. And whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Yeah, it does happen. In, in God's due time, and another verse that kind of touches that, First Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. All right? Not that you may exalt yourself, but that he, God Almighty, may exalt you at the proper time. Sovereign hand of God at work. Let him have his way. You have one job. Humble me, exalt him. Humble me, exalt him. The moment we turn it into exalt me, God's got another plan going on. He opposes the proud. All right. So humble me, exalt him. Lord, have your way with me in this place. Get it? That's the source of unity. Please be careful. Yes, there is an exaltation. And yes, you will still be significantly below Jesus Christ. Okay? So let's get back to him. Uh, that he has been exalted. High exalted. And then it says, uh, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. I, I love this. Do you know in most places in scripture, there's a word like Christ or Lord attached but he's making something very clear here. The personal name of Jesus Christ is enough to drive us to our knees. That's who he is. He's that good. And he's that awesome. That, that, that his name alone. And, and so who? Uh, just so you know. Everyone. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. Everywhere. And so in heaven, like we're worshiping him already. We're celebrating who he is. We're elated with how awesome he is. And in the midst of our worship, somebody cries out his name and like, it's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. And bam, man, we're on our knees going, yeah, baby, like you deserve it. And that's worship. And I can't even explain to you what I'm going through right now. You get my everything. And in heaven, we want him to get his all. All right. And on earth, remember, there's a new heaven and a new earth that's even made in Revelation 21 for all of eternity. There's going to be worship on heaven and on earth and, and the being same thing, celebrating him. Even on this earth right now, there's some touch of it when we're gathering together and worshiping him. There's a touch of worship that goes up for him. The songs are not to give you enough time to park.
It's a great time of worship. It's not the only time of worship. It doesn't just mean singing, okay? Like, we're just going to worship in heaven song after song after song? Like, five gets to be enough for me. Like, it's not that. It's nonstop, always him, okay? And, and whatever we're doing, whether we're creating or designing or whatever it is we're doing with him, we're celebrating him. Heaven's going to be unbelievable. But when his name gets said, we're on our knee worshiping him and even under the earth. And, uh, what? What do you mean, worship under the earth? Uh, I'd be careful how I say that. I don't know if we'd exactly call it worship, but I will tell you this. Um, yes, even those uh, in hell sitting under the wrath of God will be forced to recognize who he is. And I'll put it this way. Uh, those in hell are not sitting at the bars screaming, please forgive me, I want out. Uh, we're hostile towards God if we don't have him with us. And there's a fist shaking, I'm refusing, I don't love you and I won't be with you experience going on in hell for eternity. But I'm telling you this, the wrath of God, best description I can come up with, is like a rod to the back of the knees that will drive their knees to the ground to worship him. And the statement will be made, you are Lord. And and with a grimace on the face, but you are Lord. And that's what will happen. And why is that important? It says right at the end, to the glory of the Father. God the Father over everything. Jesus Christ, creator, being properly worshipped. His wrath meted out, his mercy shown out, God's total glory expanded, and everyone recognizing that this is the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. He will be worshipped. That's our God, high and lifted up, worshipped for eternity. And it starts right now in our lives. Lord, take me and use me that you might be worshipped. Nothing about me, everything about you. I'm ready right now. Take me, Lord. May your name be lifted up. That's... Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Amen? And we better get that. Life is not about our comfort. It's about our king. And may he be worshipped with all we've got. And as you get that worship and exaltation, you will start working with one mind, his glory, and one purpose, him shown off. May we all rally together, arm in arm, forgiving as we go, appreciating one another as we go, saying, our God's awesome. Now let that spill to the streets and love each other and love this community like all we got. And all of God's people said, living in unity. Let's pray.